Welcome to Humanly, the podcast providing allied health and integrative medicine practitioners with the most up-to-date, evidence-based and clinically relevant information. This podcast is a melting pot of ideas on health and well-being and does not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Humanly podcast. My name is Daniel Reuters, and today I'm joined by a man who needs no introduction, Pete Evans. Pete, thank you so much for being here today. Pleasure, Daniel, and g'day, everybody. Pete, I'd like to start off talking about a topic that's very close to your heart, and that's food and nutrition. Now, we are at a crisis point uh, with the health of people in Australia. We're at a point now where there's two out of three adults who are overweight or obese and one out of three children who are now overweight or obese. How did we get to this point? How have we gotten food and nutrition so wrong, not only in Australia, but the Western society? Yeah, it's an interesting question, mate. I think there's um, there's many factors that can contribute to this. I don't think it's just one. And I think we have to be very careful when we just put all of our eggs into one basket. But let's just point out, I believe that uh, the many factors that have contributed to this starts with education, um, misinformation coming through health authorities and mainstream media as to what is a healthy diet, uh, what comes through from the doctor's association, so to speak, uh, like GPs, because the information that they're sharing is, I would happily debate, is not up to, um, uh, you know, not the latest nutritional science. And added to that, we have disconnected ourselves from nature in a huge way. And what I mean by that is that we no longer spend as much time out in nature, we don't respect nature, and we have, as a population, basically taken a shortcut to what it means to be human, so to speak. You know, we don't put as much reverence on food as one of the one of the uh, main tools that we have for long-term sustainable health. We haven't... Um, celebrated mealtimes like we once used to as families and that reverence about how, how sacred food is. So I think um, there's a lot of uh, re-education to be done on what it means to be human, a lot of re-education to understand the types of food that really benefits us physically and emotionally and spiritually. And we can take a deeper dive into any of those areas. But I think that's probably the, um, the overarching sort of theme of where our disconnect is. Yeah, I would agree that there are undertones of what you eat doesn't matter, how you prepare the food doesn't matter. And I think we've gone off the rails, so to speak, and, and we are um, losing sight of just how important food is. And speaking of how important food is, um, what are your thoughts on organic? Uh, I eat purely organic food, <laughs> but um, many people don't. Uh, and I know that you're a, a big advocate for that. So, you know, if people want to get into um, cooking their own food and, and you know, taking control of their health, how important is it for them to start with organic food? Um, can they can they start just even getting into the kitchen and, and cooking and creating their own meals and then get into organic later? Or do you think it's important to start with organic from the get-go? Yeah, I think it's important that uh, people uh, adapt in their own flow to whatever is important to them and what their priorities are. You know, we go back 100 years, everything was organic. You know, every single thing, it didn't even need a label because – how do you label something as organic or non-organic because everything was organic. So organic isn't a, a buzzword or a fad or anything like that. It's just the most natural form of food that we have on the planet. And we've witnessed the, again, the separation of nature over the last 40, 50, 60 years. And it has um, definitely 
and rapidly sped up over the last decade or two. So I would be more inclined to recommend to people that they educate themselves first and foremost of what organic is and what organic isn't and then understand what additives or what's the right word uh, inputs uh, either sprayed onto our foods to make them non-organic uh, the different fertilizers the different fungicides the different pesticides the different ways in which food is grown whether it's grown also indoors as opposed to outdoors and that therein lays a huge piece of the puzzle as well and we have direct correlation between the way that we live our lives indoors as opposed to outdoors uh, at the same time. So we can potentially look at, do we live organically anymore? Or, you know, and do we get our, our hands and feet onto the earth or into the earth or onto the ocean or into the ocean and uh, into the rivers and streams and these types of things? Do we get our bodies into the natural sunlight or are we spend, do we spend our days inside under artificial light? So I think organic is a really beautiful term, but I think not only looking at food, but the way in which we live our lives and our children live their lives uh, needs greater emphasis, I believe, because you can eat all the most beautiful organic food in the world, but if you are living your life indoors, uh, disconnected from nature, then I think that possibly could lead to disease as well. So it's a really interesting thing. And I think, uh, you know, I don't, again, I don't want to put all of the eggs into one basket, but I think organic definitely is the way forward. And I believe that we could change the whole food structure and system when more and more people choose to um, put into their bodies the most beautiful food on the planet, which obviously is organic and natural. Such a good point that you bring up there, Pete. I was actually watching a YouTube video the other day that somebody sent me. There's this uh, Swedish environmental researcher named Jorgen Magner, and he did some research in around 2015, and he looked at the levels of um, toxins and herbicides and pesticides in people's urine um, when they were eating a non-organic diet, and they were quite elevated. And then just after two weeks of eating organically, they basically had none of these toxins in their urine. So it's quite a scary thought when we're told, oh, it doesn't matter if you're not eating organic, it's not going to do you any harm. But if you're finding these poisons and pesticides and things in your urine, it is going through your system and it could be causing some uh, some issues. But yeah, you, you mentioned that just living an organic lifestyle was important. So what's your health routine like on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, pretty simple. Uh, varies a lot as well. So I don't really have a, a routine as such. I guess, you know, if I looked at sort of the average, it would be uh, my first meal of the day is probably around lunchtime. Uh, it is usually has a good amount of animal fat and protein in pretty much every meal that I consume. And that is the best sourced animal products from uh, land or uh, ocean or uh, water. Um, when I say water, I mean so yeah, fresh water or salt water. And added to that, I supplement with natural herbs uh, that usually we grow somehow ourselves, um, green leafy vegetables when we can access them ourselves. Uh, and if we can't grow them ourselves, then we choose organic always. And then um, on top of that, we have tubers and rhizomes and things like that. So turmeric and ginger and sweet potato and uh, cruciferous vegetables. So they become basically a supplement to the uh, main portion of our food, which is animal fats and protein. So um, that, I would say, is part of our daily ritual. Uh, as I said, probably first meal of the day is lunchtime and the second meal will be probably four o'clock. Sometimes it's just one meal a day. Sometimes I'll eat three meals a day. And next to that, we have connection to nature, as I was mentioning earlier. That can be in the form of working in the garden. 
planting something, harvesting something, uh, going into the ocean for a swim or a surf, uh, walking the dog or playing with the dog on the ground and going for walks uh, into nature. These types of things, I think, um, are very fundamental to long-term sustainable health. And then obviously we have sleep, which is a huge one for everybody, which often goes overlooked. Uh, I attempt to get eight hours at least every single night. And I'm very grateful that I don't have to wake up with an alarm clock ever, which is uh, fantastic. So I, I rise with the sun generally and uh, I go to bed a few hours after the sun sets. Uh, what else have we got? Um, exercise. I see that as play and movement. So we have a trampoline, we have monkey bars, so we can do some uh, body weight exercises. The trampoline is great for the lymphatic system. I've got a skateboard ramp and as I said before, I go surfing. Uh, we've got a table tennis table, we've got a pool table. Not that that is really exercise except for the brain and hand-eye coordination. Um, but yeah, I don't really do too much of, say, a gym workout. And my partner, my wife, is fantastic. She does yoga all the time, and I had a hamstring injury so, uh, recently, so I'll be going back into the yoga um, way of life when I can do that probably in a couple of weeks' time. And then what else is there? There's emotional well-being and spiritual well-being. Uh, when I think about spiritual well-being and nutrition, uh, I think it really boils down to what our purpose is on this planet, what we're here to do or not do, what we're willing to uh, invest our time and energy into, whether that's a positive thing or a negative thing that comes down to our choices. And then emotional well-being can be um, one of the things I really like to investigate in myself is my own intuition and also looking at myself and detaching to see where there may be any weaknesses and any limiting belief patterns or systems or structures that I still hold on to that perhaps weren't mine to begin with that I adopted either through my family, whether I adopted it through uh, our culture or any other instances where it became a coping mechanism as a way for me to deal with uh, traumatic period in my life that no longer serves me. So when we get to consciously uh, evaluate and analyze and take into the awareness who, who we are, that gives us a really good barometer or compass in, we, in which we can bring ourselves back into alignment for our highest good. Pete, I have been following you for quite a while and I've seen what's been happening to you and you were just speaking about emotional and spiritual well-being. So, you know, I think that you are misunderstood by a lot of people um, and I want to know how do you stay objective and how do you keep a level head through all of this? Yeah, really simply, um, I think when you base, when you judge somebody, and I think that's what you were just alluding to then, you know, that people form a judgment on someone. I think that that, without knowing all the information, I think that's a slippery slope for people to entertain on not only me, but anybody or anything or any concept. When we have a reaction to somebody or something without actually looking at the whole picture, I think that's where, as I mentioned before, those limiting self-beliefs can keep us perpetual or perpetuating those limiting beliefs. So we look for patterns or beliefs or hmm, ways in which we can keep those long-held beliefs in circulation in ourselves. So let's use me as an example here. So if people struggle to look at themselves from a holistic point of view and challenge their own beliefs when something is presented um, in the media about me, it gives people sort of nearly permission to keep those beliefs ongoing for themselves. Now, it takes 
great courage to look at ourselves when we're triggered by people or events or corporations as to why we are triggered by them. Because generally, generally we should be neutral when new ideas are presented to us or new concepts or new information. When we have a level of integrity and discernment, that gives us the opportunity to, one, look at it from all points of view, whatever that may be, and then investigate it using every single tool that we have, whether it is our intuition, whether it is going down the rabbit hole of mainstream and alternative news sources, if that uh, presents itself in relation to whatever that concept or uh, person represents and then feeling into that and going, is there any truth in this for me? Is there any truth in what is being presented through these uh, channels, whether it is an individual speaking on social media, whether it is something that you've just seen on mainstream uh, media, whether it is a conversation that you're having with someone, um, and that takes great, great uh, fortitude on each and everyone's behalf that we don't just fall into our deeply entrenched patterns of reaction and biases. And that's why I love sitting across from or having a chat with a really good investigative journalist because a really good investigative journalist generally won't have or let their bias show. And could you imagine if every single person on the planet <laughs> looked at everything from that viewpoint and was open to hearing other opinions? And I guess where, I, to give you a great example, again, mentioning myself, is every single time people have asked me about medicine, my response is always the same and it has been the same in the films that I've created and, and the podcast I have shared is we need to embrace modern medicine and technologies as well as ancient uh, technologies and wisdom and therapies as well as um, traditional. So we, we embrace it all. Now, when we have that ability to look at everything, I believe that's what it the term holistic means. Yet when you see, and I've, I've noticed it on social media recently, especially this week, um, people have accused me of sharing mainstream media sources and they think that I do not like mainstream media. They've accused me of sharing, uh, let's take, for instance, I shared something about ketamine the other day where I went in and had a ketamine um, session earlier this year with a, a trained therapist because I was fascinated about this as a healing modality. And people came back and commented quite uh, aggressively to say, how can you be against Big Pharma yet ketamine is produced by Big Pharma? And I'm like, well, if you go back to what I've always said is I appreciate and I respect modern medicine as well as ancient therapies or natural medicine and I believe there's a time and a place for all of them and just because some of the ideologies that are with big pharma that I do not wholly agree with are not in alignment doesn't mean you throw everything that they've created out with the bathwater or the baby out with the bathwater as they say you know and it's 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 a lesson that I've been told over and over by many people in the natural therapy uh, world, they fell into the trap that they thought uh, naturopathy, uh, ancient healing modalities, ancient wisdom was the be-all and end-all, and they were so rigid in their belief that they've nearly died and they needed to have modern medicine as a tool to help them regain homeostasis along with those natural therapies. So... It's something that has been drilled into me to be able to accept that there is a, a time and a place for modern medicine. 
where natural therapies may not be completely adequate. But at the same time, the same has to be said from the other point of view, where we need to embrace and respect naturopathy, natural medicine, alternative treatments, holistic treatments, ancient wisdom, tribal information, grandmother's uh, wisdom, so to speak, or old wives' tales, and I'm not being uh, sexist there, it's just, you know, that's the terminology. But sometimes we need to employ those methods to help us with an issue that maybe modern medicine hasn't got all the answers for. So I think that was a long-winded answer to your question. So, but to how do I deal with it? I realize that each and every person is coming to analyze and evaluate something from their own personal belief system as as we started this conversation off with. So I'm excited by it because right now we're seeing huge censorship through the mainstream media channels on natural health. And I think it's an exciting time to, to, to bear witness to this. It's nearly like the book burning back in the day. It's nearly like the, the, the witches being burned at the stake for offering natural therapies. We're seeing the 2020 version of, of this uh, right before, right in front of our eyes where we would have come to the belief where we have evolved to have the ability to look at many different uh, viewpoints as non-threatening, whereas what we're seeing is quite the opposite at the moment. And I have to agree with you, Pete. We do need to embrace integration. We do need all of the wonderful benefits that modern medicine and uh, modern day science has to offer, but we also need to embrace and not forget how we actually arrived at this point. And that was through traditional healing practices. And, you know, still to this day, there are so many wonderful benefits that um, naturopathy and natural medicine can provide people. And I really appreciate your thorough response. Pete, I was um, listening to a podcast last night and there was a quote from um, a man who wrote a book called Those Who Remain and it's by G. Michael Hopf and it's the quote from this book is hard times make strong men strong men make good times good times make weak men and weak men make hard times and I just wanted to say that I think you're a strong man and I think that what you're doing um is really important and we need more strong men and good men like yourself. So keep fighting the good fight, Pete. Hmm. We're actually seeing the women at the moment. They're the, they're the, uh, they're the stronghold at the moment. They're actually ushering in the new, the new um, paradigm, so to speak. We're seeing the mums, we're seeing the grandmothers, we're seeing the ones, the, the, the people that bring in the new life into this world. They're the, they're the fighters at the moment. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm standing alongside these um, amazing warriors for truth and justice and, and the light. And um, it's interesting that you say that, talking about men, because a dear friend of mine, Dr. Tommy John, about two months ago, he recorded a, a, a video that went quite viral just saying, where are the men? Where are the men during this pandemic? because it seems to be that the women are the ones that are speaking out against the, uh, the misuse of power from men. <laughs> and, and um, yeah, it's an exciting time to see that shift in power, and it, it definitely is. Uh, it has been out of alignment and out of balance for so long with men being the perceived dominant force through politics, through corporations, through uh, the medical fraternity, and those institutions, especially big pharma and big agriculture, now we're seeing. And and what's been wonderful is the cannabis space has seen a, a real emergence of the powerful feminine and the divine feminine into a corporate and, you could say, medical platform for the education 
of this wonderful plant from nature. And I don't think it's any, uh, any accident that this is, this is uh, coming through over the last five, five plus years into the cannabis space, which is a direct um, evolution of the medical and um, corporate space. So I think we're going to be seeing quite a change in, and I don't like to use the word leadership, but these positions of perceived authority, whether it is government, whether it is the corporate world, and whether that uh, extends itself and it will extend itself into these um, traditionally male-dominated areas. So it's a, it's an exciting time to, to be alive to watch the unfolding of these changes that um, this evolution of power and integrity. So it's um, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to be to be to bear witness and to walk alongside and to help promote these. Uh, these amazing women. You're just mentioning marijuana and you um, released a wonderful documentary called The Magic Plant and there was just so much wonderful information in there that really resonated with me when I watched it. And I want to hear from you, how important do you think legalization of medical marijuana is in Australia, yeah, it's a it's a challenging topic. Uh, I just saw yesterday in New Zealand that they uh, didn't pass it in the referendum, but uh, there's the potential that it still could change. But yeah, it's um it's a plant. <laughs> it's a it's a plant that can be used or abused. It's as simple as that. Like anything, you know, sugar can be used. Uh, or abused. We have the poppy plant that can be used uh, for greatness or misused for harm. So it's fascinating that human beings need to have, again, going back to this um, concept of leadership and authority, that we need to police nature. <laughs> it 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 goes beyond the absurd. It actually borders on the insane that we have to have laws and regulations around being able to grow a plant in our backyards or front yards or in our garden that has the potential to be used for food. We know cannabis is a wonderful source of food and and wonderful protein and and essential oils. We know that it has the ability to work with our endocannabinoid system in such harmony and to bring us back into homeostasis and alignment. And it can do that physically, emotionally, and spiritually. There aren't too many plants in the world that have the ability to do that. Um, or perhaps they all do, and we just haven't discovered that completely yet. I know a lot of herbalists um, have educated themselves on this exact matter, and we've seen the um, the emergence in essential oils over the last decade or so where they do have a direct impact on us emotionally and some would say spiritually and, and of course, physically. So to be able to create a law that, out, that outlaws and uh, criminalises a plant that can be used in so many different ways is... Again, I think it's criminal that that actually has happened because that is not a human right. I know so many people that have benefited from this plant, but I've also seen people that um, the plant is probably not their ally at this particular point in time because they've got unresolved emotional and spiritual issues that they haven't um, been able to deal with and come to some sort of resolution and, and some sort of evolution on their behalf and cannabis can be a tool for that. But I think a lot of people see it as a magic plant, which it is. And that's why we went into creating a film about it because it can be used for, as a tool for health, as I mentioned, but 
just like food can be an amazing tool for health, it isn't the be-all and end-all, as I alluded to earlier. There's different pillars of health. So I was concerned that cannabis was getting this rap that it could cure cancer, that it could cure these illnesses that people had. But when I was reading about it and hearing about this miraculous plant, people still weren't talking about the combination of a great diet. They weren't talking about the combination of really good sleep. They weren't talking about the benefits of looking at our emotional and spiritual health as well. So I felt like it was nearly a responsibility to offer that in a documentary like we did with Magic Pill where we looked at food as well so as to cover all of those bases. And we're doing the same thing with other plant medicines. We'll be looking at breath work. We'll be looking at other, other things in the coming years in which we can share that uh, philosophy as well is that there are wonderful tools out there but let's not put all of our eggs into one basket, so to speak. You've recently started a clinic or a, um, a health business down in Byron Bay. It's Evolve Health Labs, and you've got some really interesting therapies down there. So you're using infrared light therapy, which I um, used in my clinic for many years with quite good results. You've got the um, the heat therapy there. You've got the um, cryotherapy and hyperbaric oxygen uh, therapy as well. So what got you interested in those therapies and why did you decide to start a, um, a health clinic with those specific therapies? Yeah, thank you. We've opened Evolve Health Labs in Byron Bay as the first of many, um, what we would call biohacking clinics. So and again, going back to what I've just been talking about, uh, they aren't the be-all and end-all. They're, they're tools in which we can add to our, so to speak, health repertoire if we choose to. Uh, nothing trumps what we've been talking about. Uh, good nutrition, connection to nature, looking at our emotional and spiritual well-being, uh, having good sleeps and relationships. Nothing can trump that. No supplement, I, I believe, can trump that. Um, those foundational health benefits or foundation or pillars of health. However, in saying that, we both know that the addition of a supplement or a herb or a medicine can be vitally important at just the right time and depending on whether we're deficient in something or we've got too much of something in the case of toxicity in heavy metals as an example. So when we decided, and when I say we, it was my wife, Nicola, she's been a uh, huge fan of biohacking over the, the last decade. Uh, she follows Dave Asprey as well as many others in that field very closely, and um, she shares her information with me as well. And it was really her idea to start this clinic, uh, Evolve Health Labs, because she has found enormous benefits of using these technologies such as hyperbaric oxygen chambers, uh, cryotherapy devices such as full body cryotherapy and localized cryotherapy, uh, cryo treatments as we call them, as well as um, red light therapy. And when we've been discussing this, my wife and I over the years, it was like, I wonder if we can uh, open a clinic like that at the right time to help people that are looking for this uh, these technologies and these therapies and these treatments that are that seem to help a lot of people out there in the world. So we followed our gut instinct and the right uh, venue came to us and we decided to, to go forth and open this clinic. And we have had, we've been open now, I think about six weeks, seven weeks now, and we've had the most remarkable um, responses from a loyal group of uh, clientele and we haven't done much marketing on it when it's sort of word of mouth and we have had amazing testimonials from people that have needed this offering in their local community and we're offering franchises to people around the world 
uh, for them to open up their own Evolve health clinics or health labs if they choose to. And in that offering, there'll be um, a great menu of choices, you know, such as float tanks, ice baths, uh, salt rooms. Uh, what else have we got out there that's on offer? Uh, different modalities, so to speak. So people can pick and choose what they would like to have in their clinics, such as infrared saunas as well. Uh, there are so many different um, modalities that can be added to people's routine of a busy human being in the 21st century. And at the same time, we're just about to open a health retreat or a wellness retreat that is sort of the opposite of what we're offering in the clinic. So in the health retreat that we're about to open in 2021, early 2021, my wife and I, we're going to be offering people to come and have an immersive weekend or weeks with us. And in that, we will be presenting tea ceremonies. We'll be presenting breath work and yoga classes and meditation and cooking classes in which we go back and, and good night sleeps, obviously, why uh, having no Wi-Fi available or EMFs available in, in the rooms uh, if people choose to, and basically a digital detox. So what we've always wanted to do, going back to the first uh, conversation today, was the best of both worlds, modern technology and ancient wisdom and natural therapies. So um, it's an exciting time for us to be able to share these uh, pillars of health and wellness with the community and with people that are looking for this and re looking to reconnect with nature, but also looking to see what is cutting edge in the health space as well. And again, people might find that um, strange and I've had comments from people going, how can you promote a natural life uh, lifestyle yet promote hyperbaric oxygen or promote cryotherapy and, and modern technological devices. And it's like, well, again, I think you're forming a judgment of something that you probably haven't investigated who I am and what uh, I like to, um, I like to investigate and use as, as treatments for myself and, and my wife likes to use as treatments for herself too. So, um, it's an exciting time to be alive that we get to, I guess, um, journey through this amazing time in human history where we have access to technology, ancient and modern. If people are interested about finding more information on the Evolve Health Lab franchises, how do they uh, get access to that information? Is there a website that they should go to, Pete? Yeah, very simply, we have evolvehealthlabs.com and on there is a franchise information section. So we've, um, we've set this up with one of Australia's leading franchise experts uh, who has been instrumental in, in helping Anthony Robbins with his franchise model of OsteoStrong, which uh, if you haven't heard of OsteoStrong, I think it's a, a fascinating concept. I was interested in it a couple of years ago when it first when I first heard about it, um, and OsteoStrong is with John Jayquish, who was one of my first guests on the podcast, and it's um, technology, modern technology, which helps to increase bone density, and fascinating concept. So the fellow that's helping them uh, roll out OsteoStrong throughout Australia is help going to be, he's setting up the system for us to be able to help um small business owners that are in the health space or people that are, want to be in the wellness space uh, set up a business that is um, professional uh, with his help as well. Uh, so it's not a cowboy operation. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're quite excited about the future of Evolve Health Labs and the people that we're going to be working with. We've already had 85 inquiries from around Australia and overseas, and I think we're opening our first three early next year uh, for this, the, the first lot of franchisees that have uh, committed to this. So watch this space. It's going to be exciting. And people can add them on to their existing clinics, so to speak. So a naturopath can have the ability to add that on to their existing uh, uh, business offering, so to speak. Or a gym can add it on to their 
existing offerings. So it's going to be an exciting time. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, and you've also got the health retreat that you mentioned as well. So I'm not sure if you've released any additional information about that. So how do people stay up to date with the progress uh, of that health retreat? Is there a website available yet? Yeah, the best website really is my personal website, peteevans.com. Uh, so you can subscribe to our newsletter. And from that, we'll be sending, sending out updates probably every couple of weeks uh, to every month. We're not going to bombard you. But yeah, generally every, every few weeks, we'll send out a newsletter so people can keep up to date. Um, because I've had some pretty heavy, heavy uh, shadow banning and censoring through my social media uh, platforms over the over the last few months, especially on Instagram and and uh, Facebook. But I do have a Telegram page set up called Chef Pete Evans, so that's um, that's gaining a good following at the moment for people that uh, are departing Instagram and Facebook because they're sick of the censorship too. There's so much that you've actually done and so many documentaries and, and wonderful information that you've been sharing with the general public. One other thing that particularly resonated with me was your work uh, around the uh, nightcap on, on um, Bajumble. So are you able to speak a little bit more about that and why you think that's an important cause? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I was having a conversation with a friend that I have great respect for and he has been working with the tribal or the original people of Australia for quite some time and is also working to put certain individuals and corporations on notice over this COVID and um, scam as I call it. Um, and he was mentioning this new project in community that was happening at this place called Nightcap on Minjumble. So um, he said, would you like to meet some of the people involved in that? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. If, if, you're, uh, if you respect them and they're your friends, then I'd be very happy to go and meet them. So um, we went out to Nightcap and I met some of the original people or tribal people of this country and they told me their story about why this is so important to uh, the tribal people of Australia, why this first one is called Nightcap on Minjumble is, is happening and how long they've been working on it for and what the flow and effect will be for different states around the country and, and actually different parts of the world as well where the original tribal people um, can look to Nightcap to see a formula in which can work harmoniously inside and outside of the current systems. So what they're planning on or what the intention is of Nightcap is a community of individuals coming together to work uh, harmoniously with the original people of this country and Western um, peoples as well uh, to learn from each other and to pay great respect and create a community where information can be shared and a transference of knowledge basically and what this will enable people to do is connect to country in a way that they haven't been able to before and have always dreamed about by learning through the um, the tribal people. So I was fascinated by that and I've visited with them probably eight to ten times over the last six or so months and each and every time that I enter into the Nightcap community and have conversations with not only the property developers but the original peoples, um, it makes so much sense to me why this needs to happen now and what the benefits will be not only for Australia, but for different parts of the world as well. So it's an ex again, it's super exciting time that these, these opportunities are emerging. And if people want to learn more, they can watch the video that we created. Uh, it's on my website, peteevans.com, or you can go to Nightcap on Minjumble to learn more. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of this. And uh, definitely is something 
I believe that is needed and will help shape the coming generations as well. I think it's so important that you're bringing all of these really important topics um, to the forefront of people's minds and many of the things that you've released I've not been aware about or really given much thought about until I've seen uh, your documentaries and, and listened to your podcast. So for that, I'd firstly like to start by saying thank you. Um, keep doing the good work. It means a, a lot to me and I know that it means a lot to um, other people in the community as well. Are there any other um, interesting things that you're working on at, uh, at the moment? Um, anything that you might be able to uh, hint about? Not, maybe not give away too much, but... Yeah, for sure. We've just launched our new platform called EvolveNetwork.tv. So that's EvolveNetwork.tv. And in that, we have uh, the two documentaries that we spoke about before, The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant. We have 16 half-hour episodes of a cooking show we uh, produced called The Paleo Way. And I think that's probably the best cooking show that's ever been created. And I've got my bias on that. But the reason that I say that is because it covers off so much information over those eight hours of footage. Um, each episode has three or four recipes in which I'm cooking with wonderful people from around the world, such as doctors, naturopaths, uh, people that have healed and uh, improved their diseases or illnesses that they thought they never would have. Uh, I, I cook with farmers. I visit regenerative agricultural uh, farmers and growers. I interview people that um, are raising animals holistically. We go through the slaughter process of a chicken in one of them and we talk about wild sustainable seafood in another. We talk about gathering for plant-based uh, alternatives as well as hunting. And we talk about the big picture, so to speak, and why this way of life uh, can benefit not only ourselves and the community but for the planet in, in as a whole and so that that lives on the evolve platform uh, we have 200 podcasts so there's a couple of hundred hours of information there as well as video interviews and expert interviews with people from around the world uh, we will be launching new documentaries on that platform every week from different content and producers from around the world i think we've got pandemic indoctrination coming up soon we have esoteric agenda 2 we have thrive so different people are uh, letting us screen and air their content on the platform we will be doing uh, live cooking events every week and live chats every week as well for people that subscribe. So my intention with that platform, the Evolve Network, is to create one of the world's largest uh, information databases and content providers for health and wellness and spirituality. So um, we're in our early stages. We've been working on this for a year now and we just launched two weeks ago. So it's um, that's going to be an ongoing evolution as we're seeing YouTube heavily censored and people are being deplatformed left, right and centre for sharing their truth. So uh, I wanted to come up with a solution for that, which I'm, I'm excited about. And everything that I tend to be involved in is solution-based. So if we go back to the Paleo Way TV series and the Magic Pill documentary, what my intention with these is, is <clears throat> I couldn't find a cooking show on television that really represented long-term sustainable health. So I wanted to find a solution for that. And the solution for that was to create something ourselves. Same thing with the documentary space. I was looking for the a solution or a, a great representation of what long-term sustainable health uh, documentary would look like. And I couldn't find one in the health space. Everything I saw was sort of missing the mark, either by a lot or, or by a little. So I felt like there was, there was an opportunity to present another solution-based um, alternative into that space. So to go back to your question of what's in the future is finding solutions to some of our biggest 
issues that we face. Uh, as I mentioned with the Evolve Network, it's finding a solution to heavy censorship uh, through tech at the moment. Uh, what are the other huge uh, issues that we're facing presently and in the future? I think the vaccine space is uh, narrative. We need to find solutions for that. So I'm going to be uh, heavily invested uh, in my time into finding a solution or solutions moving forward in that realm if things progress as they seem to be wanting to progress from big pharma and big vaccine and big medical and the government into that space. So we cannot, lo we can no longer just sit back on our hands and think that other people are going to come and save us and protect us. And she'll be right, mate, because I see that mentality in the spiritual space I see that mentality in some of the natural space where people are sitting on their hands and biting their, their tongue for fear of what that means for themselves and their business. And I honestly believe the time for sitting on our hands and biting our tongue or holding our tongue is well and truly over. And it comes down to each and every one of us. What are we prepared to Sacrifice, if we believe there is a sacrifice, and I was having this conversation earlier with uh, somebody very near and dear, and they said, you know, you're jeopardizing your potential for income with what you're doing. And I said, well, if I have a fear and insecurity about not voicing my own truth for fear of lack of income or financial stability, then that would mean that I'd still be living in fear. And I choose not to live in fear in any aspect of my life. And I have to trust in the process that when I have a fear, I need to be able to understand what that is and challenge that and work through that. And I am very grateful to be able to be in this position where I have no fear about financial income or security by me voicing my opinion. You know, it's, um, if that was a situation that I was in, then, um, you know, I, I know there'd be more work that I needed to do around money and abundance and a lack or scarcity or fear of that. And that is not my driving force. And hopefully people will, um, work that out in, in themselves. And I do not judge anybody in that space. If people need to be quiet because they need to protect their income to, to feed their family, then that is their choice and I will be neutral in that. However, I will say that if we as a collective continue to allow the destructive forces of censorship and our governments to dictate what is healthy for us as individuals and the population and the community, if we hand over that responsibility and that power and that birthright to somebody or something else, then what comes from that there can never be any blame put on to anybody else for that acquiescence or that handing over of power. I live in a reality and an ideology and philosophy that I blame no one for any situation that I am, have found myself in other than myself. I accept full responsibility for every single action that I have done in the past and present and in the future that has led me to where I am currently and will lead me to where I am in the future. And when we come to fully realize that we are 1000% responsible for every single action in our life, then in that we 
will discover true freedom and liberation. And what that means for each and every one of us will be very different. But true freedom and liberation is, I believe, our default. It is a place in which when we sit in that and experience that, then there is no fear. There is no judgment. We can exist in a, in a neutral, non-reactive space. And that's not to say, that, again, that we do not take action. It's actually the opposite. We give ourselves full love and honour to take action for ourselves, for the betterment of ourselves, for the betterment of the community, for the betterment of our brothers and sisters, for the betterment of the planet. And it's a space in which I, I wish to inhabit as, as much as possible. So, you know, each and every one of us will do his or her part in playing out this, this game of life. And I encourage everybody to live to their true potential without fear, however that may be. Just uh, in conclusion, Pete, uh, I wanted to mention a book that I've recently been reading called The Four Agreements. It's by Don mm -hmm. Miguel Ruiz. Beautiful and book. It is. It really is. And um, it was actually a book that my um, my personal doctor, my GP, recommended for me to read. Um, and one of the agreements is don't let what others say and think affect you. And I think that's one of the reasons why people do live in such fear because they're so worried about what other people are going to say and think. So if we're able to overcome um, those emotions, it's going to... Uh, help us to evolve as human beings and to reach our full potential and, and speak our truth. So as we uh, move into the conclusion of today, is there anything that you would like to leave the listeners with? Any final words or thoughts? Yeah. Everything that I've spoken about for the last hour, don't believe. <laughs> 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 you know, it, because it's just my... It's just my interpretation of the, the world and my, and my identity. So that's, that's, it's my viewpoint. It doesn't need to be yours. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's about the thing that I've come to realize is we are all so unique and we all have our stories and we all have our journey in this life to remember what we're here to do and to discover and to remove and to share and we are so beautiful and full of love and every single human emotion as you just mentioned you know we we have anger we have hatred we have love we have compassion we have gratitude we have indifference we have sympathy empathy apathy we have it all that's what it means to be human and i believe true enlightenment and true contentment in this world is acknowledging that we have all of those wondrous emotions and the ability to express that or not express it and react and not react and take action or contemplate and meditate and be silent or to listen or to witness or to retreat or to switch off or to engage. We have, we do this each and every single day. And when we become fully aware of who we are, then that is a beautiful thing. And then going into what you said about not worrying about other people's judgment, when we can witness that in others, in which we witness that in ourselves, then we can sit in non-judgment of others so that we do not have to, one, compare ourselves in a negative or positive way, whether we're better or worse 
than somebody that we idolize or despise. Imagine if we just accepted everybody for who they are and that they're on their own personal journey of discovery and expression and that we make mistakes along the way. And it's been, a, it's, it's been an interesting one, and I'll, I'll use Trump as an example because I think he's probably the most polarizing person in the world at the moment. And where people hate or despise that, that image of that person or that identity of that person could be of one thing that that man said 20 years ago. And I would ask everybody that forms a judgment on anybody, have you ever said or done anything in your past that you've come to realize probably wasn't the best thing that, or the best approach at that particular point in time? And could you imagine if you have been, if you were to be judged on that for the rest of your life? And do we have the capacity to keep evolving and to learn from our mistakes and not even view them as mistakes, but just view them as stepping stones to greater awareness and understanding of who we are. Because without going down that journey of, oh, fuck, I wish I hadn't have said that then. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> we've all, I believe we've all gone through that. You know, I probably go through it every day. So, eh. Yeah, maybe I could have said that a little bit better. What have I got to learn about that in that experience? And could you imagine if you just judge yourself of one thing that you've said and go, I fucking don't like that person anymore because he said or she said that. Could you imagine if we treated ourselves with that same disdain and judgment that every time you looked in the mirror, you saw somebody that you hated or despised because of one action in your past or many actions that you've done in the past. Do you imagine if we looked at that person in the mirror being ourselves or to others and just love them unconditionally and give them space to grow and to acknowledge that it's just been a part of their journey. And, you know, I, I know in the future I will say things and do things that will not be in perfect alignment of who I wish to be. But in doing that, it will also give me a great reference point again, like in the past, to be able to reevaluate, let those feelings emerge of the disappointment in myself, the regret, the, hmm, you reacted a bit too soon on that one, Pete. You know, you're still not practicing that discernment as you said you would. So I'm excited about what is to unfold and what is unfolding and what has previously unfolded and going back to the four agreements. When we take into consideration what that means, then I think we'll have greater compassion and understanding for our fellow human beings. And even looking at politicians such as you know, the fella in Victoria, Dan Andrews, you know, when I look at that man, I, there's no despise or there's no hate in there. When I, when I view that, I, I question his motives. That is something that I do. And I take in, and then I take action on that to question those motives. Because what I see is somebody that looks like to be in a very, uncomfortable and awkward and potentially compromised position where it does not seem like what he's doing is wholly and solely coming through him. And I would have to then question, I wonder what other external forces are pushing that man to behave in the way that he's behaving. So Time will tell what that may be, as we're seeing in certain aspects of the US presidential election at the moment, what powers um, behind the scenes are influencing people's decisions. And we can bring that back into our own individual lives when we see, are we not posting something on social media because we're concerned of 
a university that we're involved in or a workplace that we're involved in will judge us harshly or a family member might criticize us for sharing our truth. So we can see these sort of things playing out on a micro level and a macro level. So you do you and I'll do me and let's respect each other for where we're at on this journey. And, you know, that's all we can do. And um, we're consciously and unconsciously co-creating the, the world in which we inhabit and that there is a paradox and quite a daunting uh, awareness to have because if we're co-creating, then we would like the other people that are part of this to be moving in a forward direction that is better for humanity. But I cannot see that happening just yet. And so what can we do? Individually, we can create that forward direction that is best for humanity. And the more and more of the individuals that do this, then we will co-create a more beautiful world. Amazing, Pete. That is so good to hear um, those words of encouragement and, and promotion of unconditional love because I think that's what's going to get us through this situation is unconditional love for one another and not hating one another or, or uh, living in fear. So I do appreciate um, those sentiments that you've shared and I think that everyone listening to this will really resonate with that as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and speak to me today. It's been a wonderful experience and I, um, yeah, I really appreciate it. And it's been such a pleasure to hear your insights and, um, yeah, best of luck with everything that you're doing in the future. And I hope that we're able to uh, possibly touch base again, um, maybe in the coming months, once you've started your uh, health retreat and maybe there's been some, uh, things evolve in the world that we can uh, discuss further mate uh dan i just want to tell you mate i love you and everybody that's listening i love you as well and remember if these last words help that prevention is better than cure and if we are not co-creating the future in which we wish for uh, the coming generations um we may have to go through a lot of pain to get to that point where we notice a lot of people don't change their habits until the pain outweighs or is excruciating for them to change their diet or their lifestyle. Let's just hope that um, that doesn't happen on a, on a macro scale for humanity, that we have to get into that point of excruciating pain for change and I would say let's focus on the prevention <laughs> right now than having to get to that point as a species. So let's see how we go. Prevention, better than cure. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Pete Evans. Thanks once again, Pete. It has been an absolute pleasure. Cheers, brother. Have a great day. See you, mate. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com slash podcast and join the discussion. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and become part of our growing community of like-minded health professionals. Until next time.